Today we're beginning a series that we're going to continue throughout the month of May on the power of the Holy Spirit. Traditionally, we celebrate Pentecost on a single day as the church. We're expanding that to a whole month here at Clarkston this year. And so you're going to hear the story of Pentecost of the day today, this morning, with this scripture reading. But the celebration is going to continue all month. So for those of you who are tracking your liturgical calendars, the official day of Pentecost for the whole global church is a little bit later in May. But for now, we're going to hear these words from Acts chapter 2 about those disciples in the early days after the resurrection, wondering, waiting, trying to figure out what does it mean to follow Jesus after the resurrection. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, from heaven there came a sound like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as of fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them ability. Now there were devout Jews from every nation under heaven living in Jerusalem. And at this sound, the crowd gathered and was bewildered. And because each one heard them speaking in the native language of each, amazed and astonished, they asked, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. In our own languages, we hear them speaking about God's deeds of power. All were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others sneered and said, They are filled with new wine. Please join me in prayer. God, we pray that your Holy Spirit would work among us even now, even today, and that we would encounter the power of the living God. Amen. We're talking this May about our origin story as Christians. Well, you know who else has origin stories? Superheroes. And when I was a little kid, when I heard an origin story of a superhero, like, for example, Superman, who was born on another planet, one of my thoughts as a kid would always be, I wonder if I was born on another planet like Superman. Maybe I was born on Krypton. Maybe my whole family is from Krypton, and they just have to keep it a secret. I was kind of a strange little kid. I had a big imagination. But truthfully... Most of us, at some point or another, wonder a little bit about our identity, where we're really from, who we really are. 
And maybe as a kid, you're wondering, could I secretly be a prince or a princess or a superhero or something really cool that I just don't know about yet? Maybe as an adult, you're not thinking about being a superhero, but you might try to parse out your identity by taking a genetic test, 23andMe, Ancestry.com, something similar. We all want to know what our origin is where we're really from, what that might have to say to us today about how we live our lives. We want to know the story of the circumstances and the choices that shape our identity, that shape who we are. Now, one piece of our origin story as people is the story of our birth. Even as adults, we sometimes like to recount pieces of those stories to people. We might tell somebody who we're named after. We might tell somebody our birth order. We might say, I'm the oldest child in my family, or I'm the middle child, or I'm the youngest child. We might tell people that we were born three weeks early, or we were born a week late, or we were born in the middle of a storm, or in the middle of the night, or in the middle of some other thing going on in our family. These are the kind of details that we share. Because although they're details, We do believe that they have something to offer us and our story today. They, in some way, shape who we are. Perhaps because of these details, perhaps in spite of these details, our identity is shaped. And then, perhaps even more significant than our birth story, is what happened generations before we entered the world. Maybe you have a great-great-grandparent who immigrated to the United States from Scotland or Poland or Russia or was brought over in some form or fashion. Maybe you have a grandfather who migrated to Detroit to work in the auto industry, and that's why your family lives in Michigan today. Maybe you have parents who encountered success or grief. They stayed married. They split up. They chose to be baptized or not. These are all pieces of our story and our legacy that happened before we were born in many cases. So much of who we are is really not of our choosing. And although it seems silly perhaps to compare ourselves to Superman, our story is a little bit similar because we're dropped on this earth and we don't get to choose what country we're born into, the color of our skin, the economic conditions of our parents, the culture we're surrounded by. In our country, for example, the prosperity and the problems have origins that are generations old. These are all things that choices and circumstances have set these things up long before we entered the scene, and we're trying to figure out what to do with the world in which we find ourselves. So much of our story belongs to other people. We don't get to choose what happened before us. We don't get to change what we might have done in the past But we do get to choose how history informs what we're going to do next and how we're going to live now. When we choose to follow Christ, we are no longer singularly defined by these stories that came before us or even our own story before this moment because instead we become part of Christ's story, the story of the Holy Spirit. It's a new story that we get to be part of. You all know the story of Jesus Christ. He was born in a stable. When he became an adult, he was a healer, he was a teacher, he gathered disciples from all walks of life, he fed people, 
He ate with people. He prayed with people. He performed miracles. He walked on water. He preached. He died on a cross. And three days later, he was risen from the dead that all of us might share in eternal life. We're familiar with the story. Fifty days after Jesus' resurrection, his disciples were all gathered together in one place trying to figure out what it meant to follow Jesus when Jesus was no longer physically present among them. And this is where our origin story as a Christian church begins to take shape. Generations ago on a day called Pentecost, the 50th day in Greek, Here's what it says in scripture. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. A force that sounds as loud as wind that feels as powerful and all-consuming as fire, that gives abilities of language, a passion to pursue God's calling. This is the Holy Spirit at work. This is the power of the Holy Spirit that we're reading about on Pentecost. Jesus had these 12 disciples. They were gathered together in Jerusalem. They were nervous. They were scared. They didn't quite know what was going to happen next. And that's when the Holy Spirit intervenes and starts to move among them. The streets were filled with people, filled with Jewish people from all around the known world because they were there to celebrate a holiday, Shabbat, or the celebration of weeks. And so there were all these people. And the 12 disciples are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And they're sent out into the people to speak with them in their own languages. Suddenly their passion has returned. These disciples, it's like they're on fire because of the power of God. And generations later, by claiming our faith as Christians, we are heirs to this story. We are heirs to this power of God. And all these things that are recorded in the book of Acts, we're part of this story, even though it's generations before our birth. The truth of who we are is this. As Christians, we are Holy Spirit people. We are heirs to the power of the Holy Spirit. For those first disciples, the power of the Holy Spirit meant boldness. It meant courage to leave the room where they had huddled for so long in fear. Boldness to get out into the world and to share the message of the gospel. For those first disciples, the power of the Holy Spirit meant abilities. The ability to speak other languages. The ability to communicate the ability to have conversation with people, the ability to have relationships with people who were really mind-bogglingly different from them. The power of the Holy Spirit gave these disciples passion. They'd been worried for so long about how exactly they were going to get from point A to point B, making these plans, trying to figure out what was next, that they had lost their excitement and enthusiasm that comes from following the living God and Pentecost. The power of the Holy Spirit gave them back their passion, their enthusiasm, that feeling that warms your heart and gets you wanting to do something. And we are heirs to this Holy Spirit power as Christians. We are part of this story. 
The challenging thing about the Holy Spirit is we can't always see it. It is a little bit like the wind in that way. You feel the wind, you can see the effect of the wind, but you can't quite put your finger on what it is that's happening when the wind is blowing. And so it is with the Holy Spirit. We're challenged to recognize the Holy Spirit by what it does. From this story of Pentecost, we see that the Holy Spirit is that thing that opens doors getting the disciples out from their house into the streets. The Holy Spirit is that thing that takes us to talk to other people. The Holy Spirit is that which builds greater understanding between us. The Holy Spirit bridges barriers of language, of culture, of nations. The Holy Spirit is that thing that brings us together rather than tearing us apart. The Holy Spirit is not concerned with where we were born or what our parents did or where our ancestors came from, the language we speak, the culture we have. The Holy Spirit takes us as we are because the Holy Spirit is for everyone. And it's that thing that emboldens us to do something good for the sake of the gospel today. The Holy Spirit was for the people in the streets. The Holy Spirit is for the people who speak Mede. The Holy Spirit is for the people who were from Asia, for the people who didn't speak English, for the people who know the whole history, meaning the Jews, and the people who didn't know really anything about it, meaning the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit is for the people huddled in the room too scared to leave their protected corner, and the Holy Spirit is for those people who are already out there ready to preach the gospel. I want to tell you a story about the Holy Spirit. In 2016, I attended the United Methodist General Conference. Now, this is a global gathering of United Methodist churches. It happens every four years, and it's a time when we vote on things pertaining to our global church. Our local conference here in Michigan was able to vote to send three clergy people and three lay people to represent our conference at this global gathering, and I was voted to go as one of the alternate clergy representatives. So it's a very cool opportunity to go and be part of this thing because Methodists come to this conference from Africa, from Asia, from South America, from North America, from every corner of the globe, there are United Methodists represented at this conference. And they're all speaking in their own languages, they're all singing in their own languages. It is an awesome sight to behold. There was this moment at the beginning of the conference when all the bishops processed in together, much like our choir does on a Sunday morning, and we were all singing, and the bishops are coming in, and they represent churches in the Philippines, and they represent churches in Korea, and in Eastern Europe, and Liberia, and the United States, and all these different, all these different places, all these different people, each one of these bishops representing millions of United Methodists, and we're singing together, and I'm looking around, and I'm realizing we are part of a global church. This denomination reaches to the ends of this earth. We're worshiping here in Clarkston on a Sunday morning, but there are Methodists all over the globe who are singing God's praises. And not only are we worshiping God together across the world, but we are in mission. We're transforming lives for the sake of Jesus Christ across the world. We're feeding people in Europe. We're providing clean water in Africa. We're changing people's lives in the United States through the grace of Jesus Christ. I mean, this is an awesome thing. To be a part of, I felt the movement of the Holy Spirit in that place, in that room, so powerfully, so powerfully when we were singing together. 
to realize that we worship a God that's big enough to encompass so many different languages, so many different cultures, so many different histories, so much beyond what I can imagine as a Methodist in the United States. Now, later on in that same conference, we got to voting on things and discussing rules and debating. And we spent an entire day debating whether or not we would be allowed to have discussion at our round tables before we voted on things. And it just became painful. It became painful. We got to the actual debate, and the conversation of this beautiful global church was dominated by native English speakers, predominantly from the United States, predominantly white, mostly men, mostly older, mostly making speeches about how wrong other people are, people who believe differently from them. And I've never felt so strongly the absence of the Holy Spirit. What in the world were we doing there? We'd gathered these United Methodists from all across the globe. We'd sung praises to God. There's this beautiful movement of the Holy Spirit. We're in mission and ministry throughout the world, and we want to spend our time debating rules and laws and fighting with each other using microphones. We're serving this amazing, powerful, overwhelming God, and we want to legislate things instead. We want to spend our time arguing with one another enough to break your heart. I've heard it said that the United Methodist Church throughout its history has mirrored American culture. It's not just in the church where we're having these problems of debate and legislation, these problems where we can't actually talk with one another because we're so busy arguing. It's our culture. It's our country. It's our political climate right now. We all know this. We live in a time when we don't know how to talk with one another. We don't know how to come together with people we disagree with. We don't want to take time to speak one another's language or try to listen to somebody who's coming from a different place from us to understand one another's culture or circumstance or origin story. Especially in the age of social media, we just want to blast out a thought and put it out into the, into the void that is the internet. And it can feel so overwhelming at times. When we look at our culture, we look at our denomination, it can feel so overwhelming. What in the world do we do to fix this mess that we have gotten ourselves into that has started generations before we even appeared on this earth? What in the world are we supposed to do with all of this? The good news here is that we, in spite of all the mess, are Holy Spirit people. We are heirs to a different kind of story and a different kind of hope and a different kind of reality than standing up trying to make legislative speeches. No matter how broken things seem, no matter how different we feel from our neighbor, no matter how bleak the culture may look around us, the Holy Spirit can move among us. The Holy Spirit can bring us comfort, and I believe healing. The Holy Spirit 
can bring redemption even here, even now, even to our broken political system, even to our fighting denomination, even to those places in our personal lives where we may find brokenness or pain or uncertainty. That's the power of the living God. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that thing that brings us together. The Holy Spirit is that thing that builds bridges where it feels like there's only gaps. The Holy Spirit is that which gives us the tools and the abilities to speak to one another, to build relationships with one another, to have conversation with one another where it feels like there is nothing left that can be said. The Holy Spirit is available to each one of us. And the Holy Spirit is still moving today. In a moment, we're about to celebrate the sacrament of Holy Communion. And it's a coming together. It's a meal that's available to everyone through the power of the Holy Spirit, where we reclaim our heritage, our origin story, as Holy Spirit people. We're going to take bread and juice We're going to remember the acts of Jesus Christ. And we're going to claim that in spite of everything, we believe the Holy Spirit has the power to move in our world and bring us together and redeem even this mess that we find ourselves in. Now, we may leave this place and we may still have questions about our individual identity. We may still have questions about our church and about our political system. We may still have questions. We may still have uncertainties. We may still wonder how this is all going to play out. But this morning we claim this crucial piece of our identity as Christians. Our ability to open doors and welcome people in by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our ability to have conversations, our ability to speak with people who are different from us, our ability to offer God's grace to everyone, our ability and our gift to follow Jesus Christ. We have these abilities, and the Holy Spirit has the power. We are Holy Spirit people. May we have hope, and may we do something good for the world today. Amen.